0: plushcare.com slash loss
1: We would like to acknowledge the traditional people of this land in Los Angeles, the Keech and Chumash and Tongva people, and pay our respects to them. Salud or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together, we get it together. All I want for Christmas is seven cavitas.
2: Whoa. I mean, it's an ambitious request, but it's it's not impossible. I can get you seven cavitas.
1: I think I need to hydrate.
2: All lemon ginger? Sure. Yeah. Right on. Thank you. Took a week off.
1: Yeah, we, we did. We didn't even
2: announce it. We took an impromptu holiday.
1: I know. I missed uh, the beautiful babies. I love talking to them. I know, but it was kind of, I
2: do feel a bit revitalized.
1: It's nice to take a vacation.
2: And it was a busy week with, I mean, in America, it's, it was Thanksgiving and there's all the sort of chaos that comes with that.
1: Yeah. The vacation was just not doing anything, but just being in the cozy, it started feeling cozy, the weather.
2: Yeah. Overeating and whatnot. Had a big day yesterday. Dream team reunited for a project. I shot a music video for my album. It's going to be coming out next year, early next year. And I don't want to say anything about what the single is or what the concept for the video is, but it was a reunited video with my old buddy Nash Edgerton, Morgan Susser as a DP, Spencer Susser running around doing everything. It was Director's Bureau helping out Chris Chris Chang Chang. in the house. It was such a... fun, creative, epic day in our house with just like kids running around and everyone pitching in. And it was amazing. It
1: feels like this, um, like everyone, we're getting to be older. And so all the people we're working with have been in the business for so long and doing work for so long professionally and everything that, but when we started doing things with them, we were all kind of green and it's just, we are a tight ship. (laughs) It was... It wasn't exactly a skeleton crew. It was kind of bigger production than I thought. Skeleton with a little fat on its bones. And we really worked the canyon, man. We got some locations, ours. From friends. Two friends. Yeah,
2: Cam and Mike, Emerald and Adrian, let us shoot a bit in their houses. It was so fun. And I was thinking about, I've been shooting videos with Nash since, I guess the first one was... Tornadoes. That was off Breathing Tornadoes. So I was like 21. So Nash that's, Edgerton, yeah. his
1: latest uh, TV show, Mr. In-Between, yeah. is just people love.
2: And we've done theme songs together, you and I, for his three shorts, mm-hmm. uh, Bear, Shark, and- Spider. Well, Spider. Yeah, yeah, of course, that was the first Spider.
1: one. Spider. And also Nash started as a stuntman, and he's just the coolest. He's not like what you would think a stuntman, who seem kind of like- not like cowboys, but American stuntmen are sort of, you know, like super m- male in that certain, like he's very male, but he's sort of cool. He has a sensitivity to Yeah, him. so it's like, a, he's a very appealing people. People love him. Like Bob Dylan was like, you have yeah, to Yeah, he did like three or four my videos video. with Bob Dylan. Like he's just yeah. an interesting, sweet guy. And he and Spencer have been working together for so long that they have-
2: And Morgan. And Morgan.
1: Oh, yeah. So the three of them- have this amazing dynamic and they still like learn from each other. It's, it was a beautiful thing. A it was so amazing. Thing. And
2: I was thinking about how over 20 years collaborating intermittently, how you get to watch people's confidence grow in a real way. Like, you know, when we started doing stuff together, we were both in our early twenties Yeah. or he was a little older. He, was, he would have been mid twenties, but it's like, you know, you have that sort of a bit of cockiness and insecurity sure. and all that stuff that you have. And now it's like, well, Like older men working together, and it's but it's like there's a piece in it, yeah. Well, you don't, you know,
1: it's like in life, like you just like you know how hard life is, so you don't need to date such drama, you don't need to get too crazy. It's gonna be exciting enough. Um, also, uh, a, a shout out to the producer who was just terrific. Oh,
2: Lisa was absolutely amazing, yeah, she killed it. Um, and one of the things that was really cool was having the kids you know, like Goldie and some of her friends were around watching and we shot in a couple of friends' houses with kids. And everyone got to watch this, like, everyone was working at such a high attention to detail. Yes. And it was so, I think it's just inspiring getting to watch people do their craft at a really high level and not let things slip or not try and yeah. cut corners. Yeah, know, so. and on film. It was, mm. an oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right, we will say. We shot on film. Which is so, pretty fun. Which is pretty exciting. You were first I also- like,
1: who cares, who cares, who cares? Who cares? But it was not only lovely hearing check the gate, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is something you don't hear anymore. It, it You know, there's not much film. So you have to be very, um, what's the word? Concise. I yeah, know.
2: you just to be very like efficient. Efficient. With your, do you um, remember the first thing you shot on digital after all the years of working on I film?
1: When what comes to mind is like the Farley brothers. I don't know if that's the first thing that Farley. Farley. Yeah. yeah. What did I say? Farley. Farley. <laughs> the Far- I call them Farley. Yeah. The Farley brothers. When I did the remake of Fever Pitch with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that was shot digital. Jimmy Fallon. I, th- yeah, I just remember. I don't know if that was the first, but I do remember them being in another room with the monitors and noticing, oh, they're not in the same room while I'm acting, huh. which now I'm so used to. But wait, was
2: that a film issue? Or that was a digital well, issue? Well, because,
0: well,
1: it's the first time you have video village. Like when you shoot in film, you don't have that, you know, you're not watching playbacks, you're not no, sometimes- No, you can. You can have a monitor. Per film, yeah, you can have a monitor
2: and you watch the playback. I, don't I know, know if but during watch a while filming, yeah, yeah, you right, can
1: okay. actually be in another room.
2: Yeah, I'd forgotten all and, about and it. And
1: also, I, as a director, I know I've done the switch. Yeah, and then trying, I was trying to make myself actually watch the actor and not watch the monitor, thinking it's better to just watch it live. And not watch the monitor, like thinking you know, but then you get so used to watching the monitor because yeah. you're seeing how the shot looks. So I thought it was kind of interesting for them because you're watch you're you know, it's like you're a play, you're watching it being filmed yeah. <laughs> in real with your real eyeballs. Yeah, and I
2: love I mean, I'm such a like I embrace digital technology so completely. I, I I love it. I have no issues with it. But the the fun thing about making this upcoming record that's gonna come out, we record it onto tape. And this we shot on film. And without being it's raw sort of, dogging it. Raw dogging it. Without being like puritanical about it or reactionary, what I really liked about the process was how much decision making you had to do at the time. Mm. Because you never get like, you don't do backups of things or shoot extra or record extra. You you get the thing and you got to do it and make the creative decisions. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun. That I know. Limitation. It's
1: exciting. Just the tape, watching the tape when you were recording your album. And just the sound, you know, it's very fetishy, but the sound of the the tape rolling and it's just so very fun. But I also like digital stuff too. Yeah,
2: it's just nice. I think everyone had a bit of a, I mean, it, it's so nerdy, but I think there was something that everyone... It tapped into a type of nostalgia <laughs> or just excitement about the film and just the stress of it too. Like oh, yeah. any time anything went wrong, yeah. there was this mad sense of, did we get it? Did we get it? Just, you know, it's so And fun.
1: watching Morgan, he has to feed the tape in that bag. Where well, you have the armholes. You're just like at the armholes. It looks like he's like birthing a calf <laughs> in some blanket every time. It's very intense. It was just, I was just reminded of that meme about the AI. Someone did a, a make me a, um, a a country star and they a posted- I oh, know there's is.
2: actually a country star who's just come out with their first song, <laughs> and, then and Taylor Renz posted it. And uh, then he or she, she, she said,
1: I hate this. She said, Thanks. I hate this. Thanks. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs>
2: um, so we've got a bit of a special episode today.
1: What special boy episode. It,
2: it, oh, a special boy episode in so many ways. So, uh, keen listeners, the keen beautiful babies, might remember if you uh, stayed
1: with us during our break, our, <laughs> yeah, our, yeah. our
2: one week break. The la- the episode right before uh, I talked about this issue about the Tim Minchin comment on my Instagram and, and you helped me, you, you kind of talked me through how to diplomatically approach the situation considering, you can go back and listen to the last one. It was about, you know, he, he'd had a lyric in a song a lot of years before that had sort of been not that kind to me. And I felt like, oh, so now you're just going to be commenting on my Instagram and I'm going to be liking your posts. And, you know, what are we doing here basically? Yeah, Because I am someone who, I, I, I seek clarity. Mm. And I seek, uh, not, not vengeance, but I want, I want to clean things up. I want this, I want it to be sorted out, you know? So, um, I. Flew back from Tasmania, played a great gig in Launceston after the last part. Also, my nephew's wedding, Tim and Ellie. What a gorgeous wedding where I did cover Shania Twain, still the one, uh, which a very was very really...
1: uncommon uh, wedding song. Yeah, 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 absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> as seen by the new season of the Kardashians. Um, I get off the plane. You know, we land. I walk out of LAX, and this pops up on my phone. Ben, Tim Minchin here. Hello. There's a bit of a story around the context of that lyric. I thought maybe I could come on your podcast and try to explain myself. Tim. So, Ooh. I mean, intriguing, right? Very. I, I got to assume this is like an attempt at uh, building bridges, at a, at a peace talk of some kind. And anyway, we have Tim Minchin with us today. Together we're leader, we're leader
1: together.
2: Tim mentioned, there he is, the man himself. <laughs> Welcome to Weirder Together. <laughs> hi guys, hi Ben. <laughs> hi, ben. hi I, Ernie. Hi. This is good. I've, I've always wanted to do this podcast. <laughs> no, that's a lie. I,
0: di- I didn't <laughs> know
2: much about it until a couple of weeks ago. Uh, well, all you need to know is that our fan base are called the Beautiful Babies, yeah. and um, oh, really? So you know they are. They, they're here for you now. They may have some. They, they may have some. Uh, <laughs> some cautious, uh, c- a cautious embrace. They May be offering you okay. because uh, they have been bared witness to the uh, the build up to this interview. <laughs>
3: <laughs> have you done an episode since the episode
2: where you outed no? Because we took Thanksgiving off, so we um, for the week right. we have, it. so this is yeah, it. Yeah, but I do, this is a follow yeah. But I did episode. have a lot of people on TikTok and Instagram going, I am fully invested in this now, so it's very uh, it's very cool.
3: that's great. Well, we should really draw it out, yeah. We- <laughs> in fact, really, what we should. What we should do or have done is really make it like a proper beef.
2: Yeah, I know. Like, I'm so, we should have like I love a good beef. Who did
1: you other. have a beef with? In the the guy on Oh
2: Powderfinger. No, but no, I had the a
1: fake radio, one. The radio. Oh,
2: Kyle Sanderlands. Yeah, but everyone's had a beef with that um. guy. That doesn't even. That's
3: count. how he earns his living. <laughs> Kyle is the manifestation of beef. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> okay. pure he beef. beef. Me and Murray from he, The Wiggles had a fake one,
2: but uh, it didn't. It didn't take.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. I've had. I've tried to get a couple of <laughs> fake ones up. People don't really like it. Um, because there's so much of it that goes on, it's hard to do a parody of one because everyone just gets edgy immediately and starts saying awful things. Exactly. Like
2: exactly. And in Australia too, but this one's yeah, real. this one's real. This one's this real. One's real. Sure. It's just very small. So what year? What year do we have to go back to to give this co- some context?
3: Well, can I can I ask you first yeah. because I. Because this fell, someone wrote to me and said, "Oh, do you know Ben and I only have been talking about this thing?" And it was in the middle of a week where I was already slightly melting down, which I'm sure you guys. I'm sorry, I heard about that after too. I would not. Oh yeah, no, that's right. Well, yeah, something else. Yeah, because my mum died, but also like, you know, you go through those cycles where you do. It it is now. I've been doing this for long enough. It is a cycle where you do your creation. And that's all fun and hard and you make something and then you release it and and that comes with a bunch of press. And after all this time of creating, you kind of want to talk about it and you're enthused and you think, you know, and maybe you think I'm good and, uh, you know, what I have to say about art and the world right now is important. And then the next step in the cycle is just like, I don't want anyone to ever talk about me again. Mm. I hate my face. I hate my voice. Mm. I hate my work. I hate myself. I just can everyone stop talking about me, especially because I'd just done these gigs in Sydney um, and I had talked about my mum dying and that had hit the press and then that had been twisted by someone and become a beef and and I just stayed out of all that. But then, and, and so um, that's all to say, I didn't go back and listen to your podcast because it just made me nervous to listen. I didn't, I've only heard, Secondhand, what you guys were talking about. So, do you want to give yeah, me a quick yeah, yeah, debrief? Yeah. Well, so
2: basically, I mean, I know I yeah. know
3: that you discovered my song, well, but I just don't don't know how it went. Came yeah, about. Yeah. So
2: basically, well, that the song lyric. So the song lyric we're talking about is that I had have had it quoted at me on Twitter. Over the years, intermittently. Like, I'll be tweeting so about something weird. else and someone will put a Why quote. Why
3: do people do that? I don't
2: know. I think you, this Twitter got fed into some sort of like Tim Minchin lyric database. And so it's like, was it available? So people would send me this quote I could listen to Ben Folds all night, but I can't listen to Ben Lee. If he's the best musician in this land, then this land's no home for me. So over <laughs> the years, I've had that. And <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, look, I just, it's such a surprise to me <laughs> that you
3: know about so that listen, unreleased so listen, song.
2: I Yeah. My feeling, look, I've this is not the first song that's taken a, a dig at me, so oh, no. so I I was I'm generally okay with that. My thing was what was I've always felt because we do have some friends in common, right? Yeah, definitely. and so I've always thought oh, it's mm-hmm. weird we haven't yet bumped into each other at an Aussie barbecue in LA or something yeah. like that. But I always thought, hmm. When I do, I would like to be friends with this guy, so I will even jest yeah. just address this, just to get it out of the way. We did
3: you know? bump into an, each know. other in an Aussie barbecue. Okay, animal. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, but but yeah, maybe I don't know, but I don't remember. I remember we didn't. Talk, okay, so yeah, yeah. maybe that's. What maybe I that's might have why. been
2: avoiding you. I may have been avoiding. You. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. So so what struck me as odd was there was this just this vague sense of like, okay, it, it can be. It can be passed over in a second, but it does need to be of addressed. Course, but it me, needs right. to be addressed. But then so what totally. happened was I posted about I had a gig oh, in makes Hobart. Me so sad. No, no, it's all good. No, yeah. I had a gig in Hobart yeah. and you commented on my Instagram. Oh, I'll yeah, be in Hobart Because I love too. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like And so the context that I brought this up with on the podcast when okay, I said to great, Ioni what do I do? Do I like this comment? Do I like, it's sort of almost like, it feels like, am I being oh, like so a total cut if I'm just like, oh yeah, thanks Tim. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, totally. so, just slap me and then be my exactly. friend. Yeah. Um, and then and she, said, and she said, oh, just, just click like and let's move on. But then I did think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to edit that piece and put it on social media. And that will be my way of like forcing reaching your up. hand and reaching out and like saying, Hey, let's get over this. I mean, look, the truth is, also we are both national treasures in Australia. Surely, the culture will only be enhanced through dialogue. So, really, this is a this exactly. is a peace process. That's, this is experience. right.
3: This is two. This is like yeah, <laughs> two great two great political minds, <laughs> you know, finally being on q and together. So that's um,
2: it. That's I, it. Yeah. Well,
3: so a couple of things. One, as I said, as I said to you when I texted you, um, it's more. I, I find it mortifying, and I, and I feel awful. Um, because I just, like so many things you do when you're young, you hope it just disappears. Um, although it's quite a cute song, actually, but I wouldn't have listened to it for 25 years. Um, but also I want to say it never, people might be surprised by this, although your your beautiful babies won't be, because they they when you listen to someone with a podcast and with their partner, you get to know them as a person. But you and I have met unbelievable people like some of the most famous people in the world and but you still even though we've been you've been in the industry for 30 years and i've been sort of you know up in amongst it for 15 you still never quite get used to the idea that famous people are real people right you you still even though i've met you know i don't know fucking sandra bullock and the king of england and you know still when i meet the next one i'm like oh they're just a person too you kind of and and so. So, I just want to acknowledge that it always hurts, that sort of thing. If I had discovered an artist that I know and is a mutual friend, had written a lyric about me that was a bit of a diss, it would still really it would hurt. I'd, I'd hate it. You know, so I just want to acknowledge it, even though you're saying, "Oh, you know, it's fine." It, it, it well, does. Oh look, it hurt enough being, that I've remembered it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, like, right, not yeah. Forgotten. So, so, so I just want to acknowledge that and yeah. say I'm i I'm, I would be more sensitive right, to right. you than you at that stuff. So, but the other thing is, did you know that it was two thousand or so, that it was a, that it was from a, a record I made in my lounge room that never got released <laughs> because I couldn't, I've never been able to buy a fucking record deal uh, or ever be played on the radio or any, like, did you know that it was that old? Or did well, you I know it's been, in, it's
2: been, I've had the lyric quoted at me on the internet for well over a, a decade. So I knew it was yeah. reasonably old, yeah. but I didn't know it was unreleased. Yeah, And you might not have
3: known that it was written years before anyone took any notice of me whatsoever. Like, I, like when I wrote that and recorded that song, I would have expected no one in Perth to hear right. it. Right. Let alone no one, not let alone Ben Lee. Anyway, do, also, do you remember? Do you? I, I'm interested in whether when you heard it, well, you no, because you probably didn't know it was um, written at the turn of the century. Do you remember what the the Ben Lee oh, ridiculous I little hoo ha no, that of was happening mean, around the that time?
2: That's that's what I'm saying. Like I very intentionally positioned myself as an antihero in Australia that yes, was like right. taking shots at what I perceive to be the pub rock sort of status quo. Yes, and that's right. I was really into, you know, I'd been watching a lot of Andy Kaufman and, and, and getting into Oasis and thinking about how, like, there wasn't much room in Australian culture for deliberately, like, Muhammad Ali-esque, Fighters yeah. talk, yeah, and I was just kind of right. like ramping it up, and I, I, yeah, I assumed of course this was part of that era of yeah. my. Do your
3: listeners know what that what you're what we're talking I, about?
2: I think mostly. I mean, they they yeah yeah my,
3: Well, I, you're
1: Australian. I mean, then yeah. your show, you cover five anti four, Ben. Four, four. four. maybe four. I'll add this. this will be <laughs> There's like four <laughs> brutal Ben Lee. so. Not to take away what you did, but there's a long line of. She's protective
2: of me. That's how she's. She doesn't oh, want in, you to in, get too in, ahead of yourself. No,
1: team. no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying people were aggravated. Yeah, I deliberately
2: yeah. said in every interview, you poked the I'm mm. the greatest Australian songwriter of all time. Uh, this is the greatest Australian ever of all time. And people that understood my sense of humor totally got mm. it. Like Robbie Williams totally got it. And I yeah, imagine yeah, at some yeah. level you also got what I was doing too. Oh I? no
3: because <laughs> because you have to understand how outside I was. Mm. Like you, you so you're I live meters from the school you went to. Like so oh, wow. you're 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 I, I just noticed that cuz I was looking you up. Like you're where you were at at 16. I was not at at 26. I came very late to allowing my, I I had written a dozen scores for amateur theatre before I dared to say, oh, maybe I'm a musician, you know. Like I just, you know, I come from a really lovely, you know, surgeon, you know, two generations of Perth surgeons and really beautiful family. There's some musos adjacently but, you know, we had Sgt. Pepper's and, you know, the Big Chill soundtrack and a couple of other records. There wasn't a lot of music in my house. My music career, I... I was so far behind you um, and in terms of sort of irony and stuff, I just wouldn't have, I, I wrote songs. When I eventually got known, I wrote songs like Rock and Roll Nerd, which is about being too middle class and kind of outside the scene. He's never been part of the scene. Um, and, you know, I kind of tended to like daggier stuff and I come from a theatre, you know, I'm a theatre nerd. and um, And so I just, I wouldn't have had a clue that, you were playing into it. See, now I understand not only that press is something that you can manipulate and be um, uh, fucking with, which is what you were doing, but I also understand that you can't trust... That what you read in the headline has anything to do with the tone of what was said in the article, anyway. I mean, I, I'm constantly horrified oh God, by we
1: ju- Yeah, I just we just were talking about something when I was in interviewed magazine and I was so excited to be in interview magazine. And yeah. they pulled you do these long interviews and you think, Oh, this is a great that you get close to the person doing the interview, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and, they and you pull feel really out, open, yeah. And-, and this one was just more embarrassing. It was like because you were
2: 15 or 16, yeah, it
1: was like I have yeah. a cat named franny and a dog named elvis and i named them all myself exclamation point and i'm like oh my god he's making me sound like i'm eight passion. years old but um it's just like uh, did i really say all myself or just myself and no exclamation point but anyway it just like
3: it's still so <laughs> but funny. also you everything i tone is everything to yeah me. yeah like i'm quite a manipulative speaker, you know, like the reason I'm good at my job is because I can say things and help people understand what I mean whilst, say, you know, yeah. the irony is a tool and, and none of it comes out in print. Yeah. And, of course, since that time, uh, Ben, since the turn of the century, it's just got worse and worse and worse because clickbait is now. It's always been the case that you put out the most outrageous headline you can and people buy papers, but now it's just a pandemic of of horrible like you you say anything especially with me because of because of my cardinal pell stuff people want me to say something outrageous I very rarely say outrageous things but they'll just if I talk for four you can tell I I can talk for a long time and a journal will be well if I took that out of context it would be well and it's usually not the journal it's a sub editor whatever so there's so much I didn't understand but the other context is I was just Jealous, obviously, and frustrated. And you're you're a fucking younger than me. It shocks me still that you're younger than me, given how a part of culture was. And I think you probably influenced my song. I was listening to some of your stuff this morning, like, oh yeah, this influenced me. Like, so so it wasn't. It was it was just I was writing lyrics, and it was like a diss at something uh, uh, unattainably powerful, being this pop darling outsidey weirdo whatever I had no idea what you were in the context of the world just that you were some dude who said you know I'm the best songwriter and I was like well me who can't get shit can't even get a gig at the local fucking pub I can write song that well and and I had to and we're always at our most arrogant and I reckon you might relate to this when we're defensive when and, and And with Australia, Australia makes artists like you and me defensive because you go away and you get lauded and people respect you, and you come back and I'm, I'm still called a comedian in the press <laughs> right in Australia, having become the most successful you know theater composer lyricist ever out of this country i they'd say comedian Tim Minchin drops bomb about his mum 's death mm. like and and so I even in in that last sentence, you hear my defensiveness. Mm. And then, if you took that quote out and said, Tim Minchin says he's the best composer lyricist out of this country, then a 17 year old frustrated kid might go, fuck Tim Minchin, I'm better than yeah, that. Yeah, I think that,
2: anyway, I think what you're saying is really interesting in terms of the way we perceive this world as sort of operating almost oblivious to our own, not realizing how interconnected we are. I mean, I. I was telling Ioni, I have a song on my second record that's like, it's, it's sort of a bad song called Household Name. Um, I was 17 and it was about, yeah. but the, 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 the premise of the song, I sort of stand by, which was I was transitioning out of being like a wunderkind type thing. And I was looking at yeah. all these 80s sitcom stars and thinking like, yeah. oh, I'm sort of follow, could follow the trajectory of like a different strokes you know, I could be robbing yeah. a liquor store or something like that. And I made yeah, a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made sort of like a mean spirited <laughs> song uh, referencing all these actors. And then I, I'm living in Sydney. And then you meet them. Oh, dude, it's like Justine Bateman, Sobel Moonfreight. These are all people that are just like around LA that you bump into at Jones on Third. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I can't believe I was I was using them the same way the media uses them in yeah. a dehumanized manner. Um, for my Sorry. own art, because
3: yeah. because which goes back to you never you don't think they're people till you meet them, even when you've met heaps of the fuckers. Mm. And 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 I was not a wunderkind. I was in a tiny isolated bubble, and I wasn't musically connected, so I, I didn't even. I mean, the idea that you would one day hear that lyric, of course. I mean, when when people go, you know, did you always know you'd be on Broadway? I was. I'd be like, I didn't think I was going to get out of a piano bar, you know, like. <laughs> In fact, I dreamt of the piano bar. I was like, maybe they'd just pay me to play in the corner. Like, maybe I could do that because I'm because I wasn't. I, w- I was the opposite, you know. I was not. No one went. oh, that guy's special. And it's m- my own fault. I didn't know you. You made your career, but I didn't know that was allowed. I didn't know you could just write a song and make a video. Like, so it's. I was very disconnected. Mm. But but you're absolutely right. We 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 see people as not human until. It is thrust in our faces, mm. you know, and and I have definitely learnt that since I've been in the public
2: eye. You know, it's funny because some I had one person, and when I posted the video of, about this thing, someone was like, "Oh, have a bit of a thick skin." I was like, "Dude, if I really didn't have a thick skin, do you think I'd be like talking about it on a podcast yeah, or on socials?" It. But yeah, 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 but yeah. at the same time, I think these opportunities are really nice to like they are healing to sort of go back over these even little things from the past and like. You know, level them out and check there's no tension. But, but um, I just wonder if it's funny. I mentioned to my friend who lives down our street; she's an Australian. Um, that that I was doing this can have this chat to you. Yeah, and she said, "Oh, I listened to Tim on something recently, and it sounds like he's going through a period of a lot of reflection. I wondered if that resonates at all with you."
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm unbearably reflective. I mean, it's <laughs> you know, I think you guys are thoughtful people. I mean it's why I have ended up in the job I've ended up. I think I think a lot about I I don't think I'm particularly solipsistic although being um looking inwards is is solipsistic by definition, you know. It's not necessarily narcissistic, it's just self-focused, it's just self-centralizing, but I think I do a lot of thinking about how my experience of the world it's more sort of Cartesian. I, I do a lot of thinking about how my experience of the world might reflect others experiences of the world, and then I try and put that in my work and because i I often write songs from other people 's points of view, whether it 's a six year old genius in Matilda or you know a narcissist in Groundhog Day or or you know a rock and roll koala in an animated film or whatever i i 'm taking what I think about the world and and trying to figure out what it would be through other lenses and stuff. So, I mean, I guess I'm in a reflective period, but always, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: always. Yeah. And, and, and to, and that is the thing that makes me want to just punch myself in the face when I do a round of press and I'm just like, mate, shut up. And then of course you get, the messages saying, I heard you talking on this and that really resonated yeah. and opened something up for me and you think, oh, no, there is a role for this. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's a, oh.
2: Do you think, like, the Australian, you know, we obviously share this experience of the basically tall poppy thing, tall of, you know, syndrome, dealing yeah, with yeah. Australia's glass ceiling on confidence. Um, yeah, yeah. But, well, <laughs> but there's also an element of, and it's interesting, I, I would put you myself, I put Russell Crowe in this thing too, of people that have like mm-hmm. men that have deliberately fought against the constraints of that type of thing. And in a way, like as a fuck you to that Australian concept, but then as adults having to kind of make peace with our Australianness, realizing that, well, it's, it is part of us. And mm. I don't know. I just wonder, I know, I know that Russell, uh, His consciously trying to be a force for more positive experiences for his fan base and his audience as he's gotten older. I've certainly just realised the threshold I assumed for creation of anxiety with my audience is, like, much lower than I'd initially anticipated. I I don't know. I feel like it is part of growing up as an Australian artist too of realising, like, you can't tear the whole thing down.
3: (laughs) Well, I think you're touching on so many – you're – kicking open cracks in little doors to all sorts of conversations. But I think you're absolutely right. I think it is appropriate to agitate when you're young, uh, especially if you're trying to find space for yourself in a crowded marketplace. And so for me, being really, um, you know, all my atheisty stuff and my sort of saying what's unsayable, the the slaying of sacred cows – got me a platform from which I've been able to do all sorts of stuff that in a way heals that which isn't to say I don't think that was good work nor looking back at your career do I think you being a bolshe kind of that character you were playing of like I think that was great that that you 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 earned yourself space you forced space for your work and every artist has to do that in some way and it's not just men and it's not just you know Aussies it's that that's how it works you kind of have to be the enfant terrible for a minute or or that's one way to find your space and then it gets inappropriate and th- because the power balance changes because when i was like flexing and going oh fucking better songwriter than ben lee i was Nobody, and if I wrote that lyric now, it'd be really fucking weird because everyone'd be like, "Well, of course you are." Exactly.
2: Definitely richer.
3: Definitely more unnecessary thirteenth extensions. Um, but but you know, and it's inappropriate for me to now dis on spiritual belief where it was more appropriate then because you know, and and then somewhere on that trajectory, I get to have a go at the head of the Catholic Church in Australia and. Poke holes in that sacred cow. So I'm using the tool I've sharpened to do something that actually might have done, well, certainly in the eyes of a lot of people, did real good. But even I'm even at a point now where I don't think I'll do that now because of the power shift. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is the coming to wisdom, right? This is what aging is about is understanding, then going, right, I have a platform, I have my tools are all sharpened. You know, I've got my palette and my brushes and whatever metaphor you want to use, my sword or my brush. And and now I've people are listening and I now observe a world where everyone's a polemicist and everyone just shouts their righteous opinions into the fucking void. And most of what gets posted on social media is just people venting their pain mm. and often out of a, an incredibly ill-educated bubble, which they think is a, a full information set when it's absolutely not a full information set to talk about this month specifically. And and I just don't want a part of it. So now I don't say anything unless I think it's new or, and it's going to help. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're there, right? And what a privilege to be there. Yeah, But you've got to see it. You've got to see it coming because there are people out there. I'm like, dude, you're too old to be. <laughs> screaming you know like a lot of my friends reaction to the no vote i was so devastated by the no vote but just sort of turning around and saying 65 percent of australians are dumb and racist you're like whoa dude you're fucking 40 like calling australia dumb and racist is like the most useless thing you can possibly do right now like it's what are you doing who are you healing who who are you helping you know do you think that's going to help next time we want to get something across the line that you've called them dumb and racist yeah
2: i've been thinking about that with um you know, without getting too much into all this political stuff. I know. But, there's, yeah. but just in terms of having an openness and being able to listen critically to people you – even who people who cause you pain. I mean, to take the most horrific hard, example, yeah. you look at like the phenomena of school shooters in America mm. – we are not going to be able to find a solution to that unless we can correctly diagnose the cause of these young men's suffering to some degree. We have to figure it out. Um, we have to figure out where the... And if you just write them off, there's no critical thought put into how to create a situation yeah. where we don't live in that type of culture, You know, whether it's access to guns or you, whatever you, it is. You know. Yeah.
3: You couldn't have said it more perfectly. If you don't diagnose the disease... To almost quote a Ben Lee <laughs> lyric, if you don't diagnose the disease right, you, you cannot even begin. And that's really hard. And, and I acknowledge that that's a privileged position to be in because you, if you're the victim of one of those people, just to use that example, we're not expecting the parents of the victims to sit around stroking their chins, but the rest of us have to. Someone has to, someone has to, as objectively as possible, try to get the right diagnosis. Same with male violence in general, same with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it, it's, it's horses for courses. What, what role do we play as artists? Firstly, our main job is to make art that makes people feel good. And to the extent that we have a platform from which to speak about other stuff, our job is not to just scream at you know, like it's just anyway, yeah, it yeah, comes yeah, with age, yeah. right? And it, um, and you're right. I don't, I find it harder than you, I think, to not be strident and political. I'm, I'm wired to be strident, but I certainly have learned the hard way and in a very humbling way to watch what I say, all the way back to diss lyrics mm. and through to politics is that we all have a responsibility to think about how our words affect the world. And if all you're doing is increasing, it's just passing around pain.
2: It's mm. not, it's not going to get us anywhere. How do you how do you relate to just coming back to the Australianness of this whole thing as being oh, an yeah. artist, being an Australian artist? And then I'm also curious because I want to hear. I own Sorry, I'm dominating no, so I much. No, yeah, I don't hear We totally dominating. I also want to like hear it. your thoughts about. Uh, You know, you got introduced to this world of meeting all these Australian artists and our insecurities and our bravado, and you know, it's just to me, it's like it's a little bit endlessly fascinating because it's what I've got to deal with on my plate. But
3: what 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 does it look like from the outside? I I mean, have you? Yeah, I mean, I first
1: noticed like in LA, the minute someone became famous, they were like, "Great! I never I can be flaky. I never have to call people back. I can be kind of, you know." And Australians were like you know, whatever, Rose Byrne, and I don't know who, like, they're just like, nice and normal. So I was like, oh, there's, and I guess that's because no one would want to look like a an asshole in Australia. A lot of pressure keeping us right? in check. yeah. And that's true. so I thought that's so cool. You can be famous and, and like, not check out and be like a jerk. Um, and not be sort of, I guess people look for the next best thing and stuff. But the, the other thing that was interesting when I lived, we li- I lived there for one year, we lived there. And even like I'd be listening to the radio in Australia and there'd be these amazing songs or even before a friend's gig, like a, a gig at a, you know, a comedy, whatever, set. And I'd hear, like, amazing songs, and I'd feel really, like, pumped and, like, egoic, like, the song. And I would look around, like, we're all feeling this, right? And people, and even, the you know, the, not MC, on the radio announcer. DJ. DJ, Mm -hmm. Like, they weren't, like, pumped. Like, there is this ego in America, for better or worse, because America's, that's a huge problem with America. But I thought that was sort of interesting, this, like, yeah, maybe that's what you're saying when you're an artist in Australia. You don't get that same, like, you know, pumped up Yeah, You're thing. not allowed to
2: get carried away with your own <laughs> fantasies very much. But I think
1: <laughs> Russell Crowe did, always. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, but- some people do, right?
2: Yeah, and Baz Luhrmann. I mean, there's, you know, there's, but these we're talking about anomalies within the culture, like the the average artist in Australia who doesn't yeah. even get to work. Look outside. at the
3: Hemsworth, how the Hemsworths oh, behave. Right. I mean, the yeah. biggest film stars in the world, and they're just like beautiful. Like the Hemsworths are good guys, yeah. and they have to protect themselves, mm. but they're just yeah. good guys. And I think, I think that's right. I, I've observed a similar difference. I mean, I'm always cautious to make broad cultural generalizations because sure. there's always as many I know lots yeah. of really down-to-earth Americans even some of the really big ones yes of um, course Yeah. there's a lot of subcultures within the states but um I think it I think it's some total good I think the tall poppy syndrome and, and the thing is it's my family as well my my very recently departed mother was like she I know she was super proud of me, and absolutely adores all her kids, and is an amazing. But but she was not going to let me, <laughs> like, think I'm all that, you know. She she her she saw it as her job to keep my feet on the ground, and my wife does too. And I, I actually think I'm I was brought up to be that anyway. But that's a broader cultural thing. My ma- my mother would have been so mortified if I had appeared to be too big for my boots. And I'm sure people who've read some of my press or whatever think might think I am that, but I I don't think anyone who works with me thinks that. I hope not. It would be my greatest my greatest nightmare is if if some monitor engineer thinks I'm a dick. Or if a a grid monkey in a in a an arena comes across me at in catering and thinks I'm a dick. That's the not. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I think true. that that's a, that's a, a cultural. And it's so
1: I mean there is a nice thing now. I mean I feel I don't know if it's just cuz what you were saying as you get older you get wiser but I do think there's this like quiet memo that most people I'm around and know and in, and even certain people when I'm working are like nice. It's sort of like and not kind of you know, negative. Um, There's something that I think we all like, life is hard, you know, you know, not so hard for me, I guess. But, you know, you just don't want like the this sort of like bummer, negative kind of thing. I well, there's know. a
2: handful of people that are successful enough for a shorter or longer period of time where bad behavior is tolerated. Yeah, like
1: it sort of became yeah. cool. The rest of us, it's, it's like you've got
2: to be a nice person like to survive cool, in an industry. It's it's cool yeah. to
1: be kind or no, what's the song?
2: Cruel to be kind. Yeah,
1: it's not cruel no. to be kind. It's, a, it's cooler to be kind now. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, so. there's Jennifer Garners in the world who she is truly nice and, and very sweet to everybody. Um, mm. So that, yeah, there are With Americans Williams, like
3: that. Robin Williams. Robin Williams was the one that was. I remember meeting Robin Williams and just going, "How, how, like?" But that comes from probably sadness and just a real need to make sure everyone. Lo- loves him or you know yeah. i think it's needy i my my level of wanting everyone to think i'm nice is incredibly needy. <laughs> yeah needy since <laughs> <hence laughs> this
1: discussion but, but, yeah.
3: but yeah yeah totally of course i would hate to think you would carry around ill feelings. i know
1: i ha- i think it's needy and also you do get like you know that empathy as you get older where you really you know you can mm. you know how like again how hard things are so you kind of can understand but yes i need everyone to be I'm the worst. The yeah, minute if never Ben, be if Ben has like the tiny dip in his mood, I'm like, you okay? You should, you know, you, like, yeah. what can I do to make you feel better? And he's like, I'm just like, okay, it's fine. You know? Aww, but it does. I think,
3: know. I mean, this sounds like a plug, but this is, you know, ground groundhog day as a story is about this journey from ego to non-ego. And I know you guys have talked about this in through various lenses, but, um, the musical that we wrote, that I wrote with with the guy who wrote the original f- screenplay, uh, really digs down into those themes. Like the movie did it lightly, we do it. It's a musical. Oh, cool! So I want to. I haven't got seen got it. I gotta see that. Yeah, and you can't listen to the album because it doesn't make okay. sense. It's okay. it, because the score and the and the dialogue so intertwined that you can listen to the record, but it doesn't. It doesn't get you halfway to understanding what we've tried to do. And um, but it is about decentralising yourself and and realising that um, that life is not a thing where, where when you get power, the first thing Phil Connors does when he gets through the, oh, shit, I'm stuck in a loop and goes, hold on a sec, I can exploit oh, this because yeah. I know everything that's going to happen so I'm going to use it to get laid and get money and steal. And, and so the first thing you do when you get power, you know, if you're uh, – a visceral monster like Phil Connors is and like a lot of American pop stars are and a lot of people are is you go oh I've got power how can I use it Mm -hmm. to get more stuff for myself and then you realize it just leaves you feeling hollow and so you have to get to the next stage which is realizing that you have to see other people as the stars in their movies not just you in this as the star in your movie the movie of your life and and altruism obviously is a key to happiness but there's even in Groundhog Day a step after that which is just you know mindfulness really being being in it and appreciating everyone around you and stuff and
1: and that's the journey and you
3: hope you're on that journey right Mm. because I I know people who get to the end of their lives and they haven't got very far down the path Mm. (laughs) you know I want to be I want to get further down the path me too I'm picking
1: up my 21 year old and she's so excited that we were talking to you Oh she's yeah, yeah, com- yeah. She lives in Australia, but yeah, she's yeah. on a plane. She sounds very. She's, <laughs> she's so brilliant and smart, and yeah. you know, she's the perfect age to have just. She just couldn't. Out of all we've had guests, but she was the most excited about you. So
3: yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. we'll tell her I think
1: she's <laughs> <laughs>
3: she's good taste. taste, taste. Um, well, yeah, really good. <laughs> I
2: super. <laughs> I really appreciate this, and I honestly, you, the text I got from you was the best possible outcome leading into this chat um, yeah, for that type of yeah. thing. And I, I am it's really enlightening to like talk about this stuff and uh yeah, yeah get a good read. Yeah. And and the
3: and the trouble with our world is we dehumanize the unfamiliar, you know, and and this is a tiny little version of it that as an artist you can see a bigger artist and think, Oh, they're never going to hear this and and what does it matter anyway? I'm just putting a it's a bit of a flex, you know. And and, and as we say, it's appropriate to do a bit of a flex um, to sort of punch up. But the more we can see every single human, regardless of, you know, colour or creed or gender or whatever, every single human as an emerged entity of complex and unknowable stuff, you know, the more we can do that work every freaking time, not assume that anyone is uh, impervious. Um, I mean... You know, it feels like a reasonable mission. So, I, I anyway, I, I was mortified to think that you had heard, heard my my silly thing, but um, but uh, thank God you did because we got to have chats, and now and now I'm I'm coming to your house in LA, and we're yes. gonna yeah,
2: we'll party. Uh, you're gonna cook. You're gonna cook <laughs> for yeah. I right on, dude. Well, thank you so much, and um. Yeah, really, oh, you, could, you could greet uh, farewell to the beautiful babies. That's generally how the episodes end.
3: Oh, bye, beautiful babies. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Sorry I up, upset <laughs> your beautiful leader. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, awesome, dude. So um, thank you so much. That was amazing. Together, we we
1: get it together.
0: Planning for your next trip?